I've done this for 30 years, you have a sense, you just a certain instinct for what's legitimate, what's not, what's real, what's not. This week, we welcome the notorious Baffle Tweets. I'm your host, Adib, and this is Bitch, I did it, I made it, I'm loved and I'm hated. I started from the bottom, now my neighborhood is gated. They say drink to your accomplishments, so every night I'm... Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Unbaffled, the one and only podcast dedicated to discussing anything and everything about the badass fantasy football league. Today, our panel is welcoming a very special guest. But first, let's talk about the scores from week 11. Last week's matchup of the week turned out to be a real dud as the parole models no-showed against the bank robbers. Winning by a score of 124 to 84, the bank robbers once again remain in first place. The Caserta Band-Aids continued their hot streak, now with their fifth straight win. What an unbelievable turnaround. The Band-Aids beat the big guys 92-81 and have leapt into playoff position, which would be just its fourth playoff appearance in franchise history. The Nordiques added another game to the Street Sharks slide, taking this one 106-92. The Nordiques bounced back from a disastrous Week 10 performance to get the win in Week 11. Upsets were the theme in the remaining matchups of the week. Brokeback Belleville beat the Mustache Mystics 126-116 behind monster performances from Deshaun Watson and Keenan Allen, who combined for 58 points. Like the Band-Aids, Belleville has started to string together wins to pull themselves out of the basement. The Farhaven Fuckboys beat the Edgar Broskis 116-106. Once thought to be dead, the Fuckboys have jumped right back into the thick of things and are right on the doorstep of a playoff spot. Moving on, without a doubt, the McFarves had the upset of the week, beating the Sith Lords 125-89. to This one had to feel good for Jamie, as the Sith Lords were the unanimous favorite heading into the matchup. Finally, two lackluster performances from Matt Ryan and Mark Ingram opened the door for the Magikarps to steal the win, as they beat the Dog Pound 94-81. This marks the Magikarps' first win since their Week 5 victory against the Sith Lords. With just two weeks left in the regular season, all eyes turn to the playoff race and chomps watch, with how tight things are 6-14. through 14. Let's recap the standings. The Bank Robbers sit in first at 9-2. The Nordiques sit in second at 8-3, followed by a three-way tie at 7-4 between the Mystics, the Broskis, and the Parole Models. In that order, thanks to points 4 on the season. Behind them, four more teams sit tied at 5-6. The Street Sharks, the Band-Aids, the McFarves, and the Fuckboys. Teams 10 through 13 are also tied with records of 4 and 7. Brokeback Belleville, the Dog Pound, the Magikarps, and the Big Guys. Finally, the Sith Lords sit in 14th place due to what can only be explained as absolute shit luck, with a record of 3 and 8 despite having the 4th highest points for total on the season. These last two weeks will be absolutely crucial in sorting out this clusterfuck. Can't wait! So obviously we all know we had the trade deadline last week, so there's nothing on that front. And this week, the waiver wire was pretty quiet too. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? I want to mention, I guess, maybe the Nelson Aguilar bid for $9 for Adib. And I find it astounding that you add another wide receiver to your team. I think we're at 73 in total. Frankly, it's amazing how many you have. Yeah, how's your trade for Fulgham going, Adib? One catch for eight yards in each of the last two games? Yeah, that sucks. 
I don't know how AJ managed to know that this guy was going to drop off like that, but what the hell, man. But yeah, pretty weak on the waiver wire uh, this week, but it's kind of funny. It's literally just the Magikarps flailing around like a fish out of water, like <laughs> Daniel Jones and two defenses. <laughs> to defend myself, every move I pick up now, before you chirp me too much, just peek their week 15, 16 matchups. That's all. Oh, 100%. It's just funny how you made three moves if one of them's for Daniel. <laughs> Jones and two of them is for defenses. <laughs> and then Collins black hole of running backs. It's never gonna end. He spends ten dollars on James White. And then other than that, there really wasn't anything else going on. I did notice that Adib picked up Jeff Wilson Jr. So I was wondering, is there like a secret prize for owning every single running back on San Fran? <laughs> As we've seen this year, Mostert's played in four games, and even though he's coming back this week, I don't want to get caught if he gets hurt again, because that's not out of the realm of possibility. So I wanted to make sure that I had Jeff Wilson Jr. That's fair. I just want to maybe a information breakdown for you or maybe for everyone in the league, but just because they're returning from the IR this week does not mean that they're guaranteed to play. Yes, exactly. It doesn't actually mean that they're even off the IR. It just means they have 21 days to take them off. Yeah, they're allowed to practice again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the time, I feel like it means that they're coming back. Eckler and Mostert are both expected to play this week. For everyone listening, don't just immediately get a hard on when your guy is on the IR R. <laughs> Thanks, Devin. Which is no why problem. Mostert's still sitting on the IR. <laughs> yeah, because Eckler he too. can, Bobby. <laughs> the real IR. All right. Are there any stories you want to talk about? Yeah, I have a story. Oh, let's go for it. Today, I want to talk about psychological projection. For you Munsons with mush between your ears, psychological projection is a defense mechanism in which the ego defends itself against unconscious impulses or qualities by denying their existence in themselves by attributing them to others. So I would like for our listeners today to participate in this journey with me. So please, do me a favor, sit back, relax your shoulders, close your eyes, and take a nice big breath. Now imagine just being mediocre for a full year to maybe contend a year from now. I'm sure hope you all thought of my meat stick of a podcast colleague, Devin, because that's the nut nut who spoke those words on Tuesday, October 6th. That's right. Week five, he spoke those words to all league participants after a few trades went down from other GMs collecting some draft capital without drastically impacting their teams. You see, our friend Devin loves competition, and fantasy football is no different. Most seasons, if not all, he's competitive. I recall words from last season like, you play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. And it's so lame to just give up on a season. Well, I'm here to tell you it's exactly what he did. This season, he started 3-3, three and three, enough to have him in his playoff spot after week 6. But somehow, this gluten-free pancake thought it was the end of the world. He thought he was toast. <laughs> when faced with adversity for the first time in his fantasy football career, he threw his own words, one week after saying them, in the garbage, grabbed his favorite Spider-Man blanket, and sucked his thumb until it scabbed over. <laughs> you know, Dev... Let me give you some advice here. Age may wrinkle the body, but quitting wrinkles the soul. And your soul's looking like Clint Eastwood after a date with the tanning bed. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, after six weeks, I might repeat myself here, decided that he didn't have it this year and proceeded to trade all of his good players for second round picks, making his team exceptionally mediocre. Actually, let's just call it what it is, and it's complete dog shit. Here are some names that were traded. Chris Godwin, Darren Waller, T. Higgins, DJ Chark, all of them gone. But there's a bigger one. QB1, Kyler Murray. Since quitting fantasy football like it was a plate full of tomatoes, he has been ripping our dear friend of the podcast, Nicholas J. Tyler, for not <laughs> ponying up in a trade for Kyler. 
who ultimately ended up on the Mystics. Each week, trying to make himself feel better, he texts our whole chat to tell Nick, who is currently in last place despite outscoring most of our league, that he would have won this week if he had just traded for Kyler. Imagine when your friend is down and out, wincing in pain, and you just keep kicking him. But Devin, what if you just kept all these players? Where would you be? <laughs> Did you actually, do the math here? Actually, actually, screw that. Let's just do uh, what you do to Nick every week and see where you'd be with just Kyler. Amazing. Not even the other players. So in week seven, the three and three Magic Carps head to KSK Stadium to face the Fuckboys. This was a loss to yours truly with a point differential of 14.22. Murray had 37.1 points that week. Ooh. So when you eliminate Bridgewater's 19.16, that leaves you with an additional 17.9 points and a big win at KSK Stadium. Week eight, the McFarves bent you over and waxed you sideways, and Kyler had a bye anyway. Week 9, the big guys beat you by 19 points. Kyler had just over 37. When you subtract the 14 car got you, that's an additional 23 and another win. <laughs> Week 10, you face Murray himself. Imagine the swing that could have happened here. You're defeated by 20 points. Murray got 29.9 points, leaving you with a loss by 4.82. Surely Noel would have started less points at the quarterback position if you had dressed Kyler Murray. So that's another win. Week 11, you squeak out against the dog pound on a Monday night thriller, and you had seven points come from your QB. Oof. So to recap, if this 10-ply TP would have just kept Kyler Murray, he'd be seven and four. That puts <laughs> you at the same record as the team in third place. The same that Nicholas J. Tyler would have if he ponied up for Kyler. <laughs> so you know what? I don't even have a question for you, Devin, but rather a request on behalf of the entire league. Please put your psychological projection aside. And leave our friend Nicholas alone. Oof, that was a long one. Yeah, so a couple of things. Week in, week out, I sit on this podcast as you tear my team a new one. Every week there's some new fancy word you Googled or some crazy definition that you got off of WebMD or whatnot. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm looking at the standings right now and I was like, you fucking idiots. There's 10 other teams that are within a win from me. So my team may be complete garbage, but what about all of you? Especially you, Corey, like your team is horseshit too. Listen, my team is garbage, but I haven't quit. Hey, I'm, I'm a win away. If I beat Adib this week, I'm almost in the playoffs. You. Is that quitting? Do you see you see my do you see my forty nine moves that I've made this year? I wouldn't say that's quitting. You one hundred percent quit on the team that you had. You would be in third place, and you would be fighting for a championship. One other thing is like you can call me a monster all you want, but like I'm out here doing God's work because for the first time in twenty five <laughs> years, we got Corey to work on his addition skills. That was amazing. Cor <laughs> I have never seen Corey do so much yeah. math. And and let's also mention <laughs> like he was going into like the double decimal. Like this was, this was Honestly. a hard-fought exercise for Corey, and you know what? I'm just proud of you. Honestly, I might break edge, pour a glass of wine, and just take a bath while we go over the matchups. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, well now it's time for something I think the three of us are really excited for. I can't wait to talk to our next guests. Some have tried, rest in peace Baffle Leaks and Baffle Insider, but no one has been as successful in gaining access to Baffle. Rumors around League circles suggest that while the Iron Commissioner was able to silence Leaks and Insider, they merely forced Baffle tweets deeper undercover before their reemergence earlier this season. No other sports insider has been able to establish such deep sources within Baffle HQ, the Commissioner's Office, and management teams around the League. It is my absolute privilege to welcome Baffle tweets to the show. 
Before we get into it, I have to advise our listeners that neither Corey, Devin, or myself know the true identity of the person behind Baffle Tweets. So let me jump right into the first rumor. There has been rampant speculation that Pearson, manager of the putrid big guys, is the person behind Baffle Tweets. I know Pearson loves that attention, but I wanted to give you the chance to address that right now. Pearson, is that you? No, of course it's not Pearson. But before I comment on this fake news story, I want to say what a great job the big guys are doing over there. What an extremely well-run franchise. Look at all the young talent they are sending out there week in, week out. Denzel Mims, Jerry Judy, J.K. Dobbins, Michael P. Ryan. Wow. If this it was the same team next year, they'd be in the mix for a battle championship. Now on to this fake news. I have a great personal and professional relationship with the big guys, but I 100% deny these allegations. I think if you guys are looking for the real answer, you should start questioning your boy over in Galo. I think if you ask him, the truth will come out. Poor Brent. <laughs> so I'm going to go on to two questions. First of all, it's an honor to have you on today. And I want to thank you for spreading love for the podcast on Twitter. We really do appreciate it. Now, many listeners have been asking to have you on. So I'm really excited to ask you a couple questions before I hand it over to Devin. As a general manager, I know there's a few teams in the league that are more tight-lipped than others, but this may not be true for an insider like you. So my question is, which team do you struggle to get the most information from? Well, first off, I just want to thank you for having me uh, on your show. You know what? I was hiding in the shadows for many years, and um, after that Cam Newton COVID controversy and the commissioner's handling of his IR spot, I couldn't take it anymore. I had to bring some truth, integrity, and some accountability into Baffle. Now, Corey, to answer your question, I called two league members the Bill Belichick's of Baffle. That would be the McFarves and the Dog Panel. These two franchises have a policy that they will not let any information out. They are completely tight-lipped. Every time I have a source, it is crushed. These two members do not comment to any media about their performance, win or lose. I cannot get an ounce of info from these two members. Great information. Thank you. You know very well that there's a logjam of teams from fifth to last. And a lot of this has been caused by hot starts falling off of cliffs or dumpster fires clawing their way back. Or in some cases, a general manager completely abandoning their philosophy on football. Based on your discussions around the league with players, team personnel, etc., are there any GMs on the hot seat? Oh, I think this is an easy one. In a poll conducted by Baffle Tweets, 83.3% of respondents thought the Street Sharks would fire their head coach and GM after the season if they missed this year's playoffs. After his loss this past week, GM Sheehan went on a absolute media tear, and Baffle Tweets was all over the story. 4.15 p.m. These are direct quotes from GM Sheehan. Of course, Henry TD. Fuck my life, fuck. 11.23 p.m. I hate football so much. End quote. 11.30 p.m. Nothing can help my team is cursed. Not having fun. The very next morning at his post-game press conference, 9.10 a.m., GM Sheehan states, I honestly just want this season to be over. Oof. Now, if you don't think there's turmoil within the Street Sharks organization, I don't know what you're thinking. Because if there's any GM that's going to get fired this year, it's GM Sheehan. Now, my source inside the Street Sharks front office has told me that morale is low. After Sheehan traded away draft capital to acquire Lockett and Godwin, the losing streak has just gotten worse. 
Many front office staff are threatened to resign because of the mishandling of Mystery Turk season by GM Sheehan. Wow. It's pretty evident that if there is a GM on the hot seat this year, it's going to be Devin. It will be the first to get the axe. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Baffle tweets. I'm going to pass it over to my colleague Devin now. Yeah, just to note, it's the other Devin, not the one who's going to be fired because his team is hot garbage. That's important to note. Although you may be on the hot seat too over that Kyler Murray stuff. Hey, we sent a letter out to our fans and season ticket holders announcing our plans to rebuild. And so far, the reception has been positive. I also wanted to thank you for all your hard work, your journalistic integrity that you bring to the table. Since your reemergence, the transparency in our league has been at an all-time high. You've already kind of briefly touched on a couple of the scandals, specifically those that involve our dear Commissioner Pretzel. Don't get me started on him. I'd like your take on the confidence amongst the owners and general managers of the league in the ability of our dear Commissioner, uh, how he can complete these investigations objectively and, let's be honest, without further tampering. Well, the reason I came out of hiding was due to our dear Commissioner is mishandling of the league this year has been has been appalling to put it lightly and you're not even in the league imagine how we feel i have many sources within baffle league head office in new york and they are not happy so to answer your question Devin, first off the commissioner's integrity has been in question amongst league executives after he tried gaming the system and claiming he could use cam newton's projected points even though the patriots had not cleared cam off their COVID ir the most recent IR incident, which was broken by yours truly, has put into question our commissioner's leadership of Baffle. One executive called this most recent IR mishap the biggest scandal in Baffle history. So to answer your question, the confidence in the commissioner's handling of all league activities is, is next to none. He is the only one that is breaking the rules that he is making. Now, this is unacceptable, and I will continue to expose the commissioner for the fraudulent activities that he is doing. Yeah, thank you so much. While we're talking about investigations, can I ask if you've heard anything on the previous investigation into the fuckboys? Was there any substance to that investigation? Well, we are continuing to look into this. I do have a team around me um, making phone calls, feeding me information. We were investigating a comment about a toaster and a bathtub. <laughs> Because you have to come to a decision on uh, whether the fuck boys will be penalized for said comment. Oh my god. Thanks for the update. So, Baffle Tweets, one of the questions we ask all our guests when they jump on the show is, what team do you think has the best chance to win it this year? Uh, one second, boys. I just, I just have an important phone call coming through. I just need to take this. One. I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. My Are god. you breaking news right Did, now? He, he's breaking Holy up. shit, boys. I got something big. Right off the presses. Yeah. I just got Are off you going to tell us? Here we go. This is big. This is huge. This could Breaking shake the news. foundation of Baffle right now. Wow. I just got off the phone with one Baffle League executive, and he mentioned there's a tremendous concern amongst owners and the Baffle Players Association on the handling of league funds. My source close to the situation is stating that a large amount of league dues appear to be unaccounted for. Rumors are circulating that the Nordiques embezzled league money and used the funds to for a deposit on a 2021 pontoon boat. <laughs> what? The league is also investigating the commissioner's office as he may have helped the Pepsi land Nordiques embezzle this money out of Apple. Classic shit. pretzel. 
This is huge. This is I, I always knew the pretzel had minions around the league. I just never knew who they were. Yeah. If the commissioner let Evo Eats take that money and put a deposit on a pontoon boat, my god. If I see the commissioner on that pontoon boat one time, I swear to god. And isn't it a coincidence that the bank robbers and the Nordiques are at the top of the standings? Unbelievable. Never even yeah. linked that, yes. Yeah, jeez, man, you're really on top of things. Are they having a party with the league funds? How many frozen pizzas and hot dogs could you buy with the amount of money that they just put into a pontoon boat? Good question. And this is why I will not stop my hard work in exposing any fraudulent activity within Baffle. And I'm bringing the truth, accountability, and bringing back the trust to Baffle. The fans deserve to know. We really appreciate all the hard work that you've been putting in for all of us in the league. I can't believe you broke such big news on the air with us right now. That's unbelievable. I actually, boys, I need a minute to recover from that bombshell. So one of you guys, just start us on the Week 12 previews. I'll kick her off this week. And I want to talk about the Filipino fiesta we're going to have here. And it's AJ versus Noel. We're getting down to crunch time. <laughs> we're getting down to crunch time, and uh, neither of these two teams can make any more excuses about injuries or buys. AJ gets to trot out something, something, Ahmed. I want to break here just for a second. I'm not sure when it happened, but I only noticed it when I was analyzing this matchup. But I just want to take a moment to congratulate Keelan Cole on the sex. I noticed that he is now Keelan Cole Sr. So yep. if we could just have a round of applause for that, congratulations. <laughs> I think he's been senior for a while, dude. Okay, cool. Back to the matchup. So <laughs> this matchup. <laughs> what the fuck's happening? <laughs> this matchup is all about, you guessed it, matchups. AJ is fortunate to have his top players against some of the lower end teams. We got Antonio Gibson, an RB1 versus Dallas. We got our boy something Ahmed against the Jets. And apparently, target monster Jacoby Mayers playing against the Cardinals, where the Patriots will need to score to keep up. The issue, unfortunately, is quite the opposite for Noel. His RBs have some tough matchups. We got Jones against Chicago, and we got CEH against Tampa. Noel clearly has the more talented team, but there's no doubting that the team chemistry over on whatever, not Caserta, has started to pay dividends. So everyone knows I hate picking against my boy Noel and my boy Kyler. And I think that with Kyler and that Atlanta stack, they can overcome any tough matchup. So he's going to put up the W and he's going to end not Caserta Band-Aid's winning streak here. I don't know what you were talking about throughout that entire thing, but it was awesome. <laughs> and my ass was clenched tight enough during Baffle Tweets' interview and now it feels like it's going to explode in itself. I really what? need... Jesus Christ. I really need the Mystics to beat the waiver wire legends this week. He has the better roster, so please, Noel, just clinch the playoffs and beat the Band-Aids for me, please. So are you taking them? Yeah, was yes. Like that. Good analysis. Uh... Yes. I'm going to start by going to the online poll. 80% of the people have taken the Mystics to win this one. We've talked about it for several weeks now. The Caserta Band-Aids are the hottest team in Baffle. Five straight wins looking to somehow climb back to 500 from an 0-6 hole. But I think the run stops here. They've gotten some wins against some cupcakes, and now they face a real team, and it's over for them. So I got the Mystics. All right. Let's talk about the McFarves and the Broskis. There's only two weeks left in the season here, guys. It's pretty fucking exciting with the amount of teams that are so close. I love when the stakes are high, and they couldn't be higher for our guy Jamie. Holding on to the last playoff spot, with every team behind him in striking distance. 
Looking at Chris's team, I could be very wrong, but I think the only spot I'm really worried about is Deontay Johnson versus Baltimore. And unless all their D goes down due to COVID, like I don't really know what's going on with that situation, but they're missing a lot of guys. The rest of his team looks pretty nice this week. For Jamie, I'm assuming Thielen's going to play. And what a trade that is looking like right now. Well done, McFarves. Unfortunately, with Gordon against the Saints D this week and Le'Veon Bell starting in the other running back position, it's going to be rough. And it's going to be tough to keep up with Chris's team without multiple touchdowns, I think, from Thielen and potentially Hill. It sounds like for the first time, you might be picking against the McFarves. So listen, I hate to do this for the first time. Oh my God. But I'm going oh, to pick no. against the McFarves for what? The sixth time? <laughs> this where is baffled tweets? This is breaking news right now. Would have Absolutely. never seen this coming. Absolutely. I mean, my analysis is pretty easy. Jamie's team is worse than my team, and Cosgrove's team is very good. I'm going to pick Cosgrove. The McFarves got a big win last week, but I agree with you guys. The Broskies are just better everywhere. And Carson Wentz sucks so bad. Oh, God. He's disgustingly bad. Did you know he leads the league in interceptions and fumbles lost? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Turnover machine. So I'm going to take the Broskies, and let me just check in with the people. And 80% also have the Broskies. Sweep thus far, eh? Yep. How are ya? Let's move over to the matchup that pits the last place team against the worst team in the league. And that's Nick versus Pearson. I don't really know what to say for this one. Pearson's trotting out Lamar, who probably has COVID, and a starting running back duo of Aduka Johnson and Frank Gore. (laughs) And the sad thing is, he's probably going to win after stroking that horseshoe wedged up his arse. (laughs) The good thing for Nick... It's pretty so far up there, man. Oh my god. He's been stroking it for a while now. The good thing, at least for Nick, is that his opponents are averaging a disgusting 119.5 points against. The big guys, and this is the positive, not getting shit-kicked every week, but the positive is that the big guys average 81 big points a week. (laughs) I don't think Nick has to do anything amazing this week. I think if Julio plays, he's probably even safer, especially just getting average points across the board. Probably going to be enough to beat Pearson. I mean, you guys can prove me wrong, but like other than maybe Hunter Henry, I can't see a single one of his players meeting the Yahoo projected total. I'm going to go, without a doubt, the Sith Lords and under the 209 total points this week. Wow. Okay. I will say that this is probably my favorite matchup this week. I'm conflicted with what I want to happen. One side, I want Pearson to lose because... If I'm in the fishbowl, I definitely want his team in there. Yeah. And on the opposite side, I'm going to have either my first round pick or Nick's, whichever one is better. So the worse he does, the better it is for me. And what I think will happen is that the Sith Lords are going to dig deep and go back to their roots. So Nick, remember, as long as the dark side flows through the cracks of your flesh, you cannot be killed. So give me the <laughs> Sith Lords. Amazing. I think, Devin, you're underselling. Pearson's receivers, Brandon Cooks, Jerry Judy, and Cole Beasley are all great and all will probably hit their projections. Great? Great? They've been really good. Yeah, okay, they've been good. I don't know about Sorry, they're not great players, but they have have been great for him. You get what I'm saying? Relatively speaking, I suppose so, but it was like Brandon Cooks averages like eight points a week. Jerry Judy. That can't be true. Yeah, I completely made that up. Lately, he's been doing okay. He's also put up some zeros, some threes. Last three weeks, 15, 6, and 10. Ho-hum. Jerry Judy, on the other hand, I think you're just 
maybe watching too much highlight tape on YouTube or something. Other than his monster game a couple weeks ago against Atlanta, he's putting up 4, 3, 9, 22 against Atlanta, 8, and 5. If that's great, my team is amazing. <laughs> Fine. Anyways, I was just saying his receivers are better than you gave him credit for, but that doesn't matter. I still got the Sith Lords winning this one. <laughs> and as I check in with the people once more, it's another landslide. 80% of the people are taking the Sith Lords. There's not a ton of juicy matchups this week. They seem kind of pretty I wonder lopsided. Who voted, I wonder who voted for the big guys. <laughs> Probably, Probably just baffle, baffle tweets. tweets. <laughs> uh, where are we going next? The Nordiques and the bank robbers. So we've got the first place bank robbers and the second place Nordiques. The only two can we teams... sorry can we entitle this one like the Collusion Bowl or something like that? Yeah, the Collusion Bowl. The only two teams to clinch a playoff spot. Hmm, the Collusion Bowl. When I first looked at this matchup, I thought, "Sheesh, James is in for a hooping this week." But a hooping? Oh yeah. He might be limping around for a few days after this one. <laughs> but I think the X factor in this matchup is pretty obvious. It comes down to Herbert waxing the Bills and what Derek Carr can do against Atlanta. If Carr can put some respectable numbers up and Kenny Galladay plays, I think this thing might be tighter or closer than I originally thought. Think about that for a second. He could go with Medcalf and Kenny G at wideout, Henry and Hunt at running back, and then have Curtis Samuel with the potential for a big game in his flex. Robert, on the other hand, sitting at 9-2, and two, is half studs and half fuckheads. <laughs> Hopkins, Herbert, Austin Hooper, for obvious reasons. <laughs> McCaffrey and Davis, all studs. Fuckheads include Robert Woods, because he has the same name as a commissioner. <laughs> Jonu Smith, because he plays and benches Hooper for him. And James Robinson, because he's playing against Cleveland. Absolute fuckhead. So all that to say, I'm going with the Nordics this week. <laughs> I uh, can't argue with any of that analysis. That was spot on. How do you bet against Kelsey? I saw the stat where he was like first in targets, first in receptions, first in receiving yards, first in touchdowns. Every conceivable stat you could pull up for a tight end slash wide receiver, he was crushing it. I think he's third in the league in receiving in total, like across everyone. He's unbelievable and even if he is playing tampa the guy is just going to score or is a threat to put up 20 points every week when it comes down to a close matchup like this where you could pick either side i always look for like that one x factor that's just going to like blow the lid off of things and i think it could be kelsey so i'm also going to go with the nordics i think the x factor is that bobby is a cheating fuck <laughs> i'm kidding but he does seem to find a way to win every week and his players are good enough that I think it'll happen again. So I got the bank robbers. And this is a tight one, but the people agree. 60% have the bank robbers beating the Nordiques. Let's move over to my uh, last matchup here. And we have Brent versus Colin. And don't get me wrong, Colmere is looking mighty beefy this week. But how much more confident do you think he would be trotting out into this matchup against Brokeback? if he didn't trade them every viable fantasy player on their team. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, if we ever sacked up and find a little bit of courage, we should examine Colin's trade history because <sighs> what a minefield. Yep. Now, if Brent wants a sniff at getting out of the Goldfish Bowl, he's going to need some big games from Swift and Allen, his two top players that were gifted well in advance of Christmas by his opponent this week. At the end of the day, though, if Collins running backs can produce, the rest of the team is talented enough that they should kind of coast to a win here. Zeke alone with Dalton back looked a lot better last week. I know he got in the end zone, so let's see. I do want to point out that I'm going to give Brent a bit of a chance because 
I find his team has a number of complete home run hitters. And I look up and down his roster, and honestly, I could see every one of his players fine in the end zone this week. It's probably doubtful, and I probably don't know what I'm talking about, but never say never. So I'm going to pick the dog pound to get out of the doghouse this week. Nice. I'm going with Colin, and it feels good to be back on the dog pound this week. You know, for Brent last week, I thought he would lose, but he would have a really good week, and he ended up having a fantastic week and pulled out the upset. I agree mostly, Devin, with all of your analysis. Brent's matchups are pretty tough this week, except for Allen, and I think he could score literally a million points. But Colin's team's matchups just look too nice this week, and I'm expecting a big one from Pittman Jr. to support Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, and Zeke Elliott, so give me Colin here. Yeah, I want to point out last week when I was doing my analysis, I said, ah, you know, I'm not sure about Keenan Allen. They might be pumping the Jets too much for Keenan to be involved or to be important. I guess what I missed in that analysis is that the reason they're going to be pumping the Jets is because he's going to catch 27 balls. Yeah, The guy exactly. is an absolute monster. And against Buffalo's defense, he very well might do the same. So this is another big matchup with playoff implications, right? The winner of this matchup can kind of get into the conversation for playoffs with one week to go. And the loser firmly plants themselves in the Chomps Bowl or in contention for the Chomps Bowl. Remember a few weeks ago... Corey proclaimed, the Colomere dog pound is back, baby. And then they <laughs> fell apart. But I think this week they are back. And so I agree with you guys. I'm going to take the dog pound. I to didn't people, however, Colin trading everybody. True. Actually, I think most of those trades happened before you said that. I don't remember. I don't know. I feel like we said it every week. And he's just, yeah. he's been a real wet blanket recently. <laughs> <laughs> This is one where the people are going the other way, actually, and it's a landslide against us. 80% wow. of people are taking Belleville to win this one. Wow. Well, fuck them. <laughs> Start your own podcast, then, you losers. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jesus. All right, I think, Corey, we're on your last matchup. Go for it, man. Uh, so I have the privilege of talking about the pro models versus the Magic Carps with these two peanuts. This is the dud of the week. This matchup sucks. I was thinking about how to make it interesting. The way to look at this one is with a win, I think it locks a deep up with the playoffs, right? You can lock it in. I think so. I'm not a math guy, but I stand by that statement. For Devin, it could be last place depending on if you win and how Nick and Pearson fare out. So there are some implications to this matchup. It'd just be a whole lot more interesting and fun to break down if I could talk about Austin Eckler or Raheem Moser. I see two major X factors for Devin. The first one is, will Tua complete the game or be benched? <laughs> and the second one is, what will Claypool do against Baltimore? Those are the two I think that you really need to step up this week. And at least on the other side, the parole models have Kamara and Mahomes. Those two are sick. But outside of that, everyone else sucks. So I'm going to go with the guy that has the best players. And the guy that has the best players is the parole models. So give me the parole models this week. I uh, agree with what you're saying. <laughs> Before picking, I want to ask Adib, is there any concern with your boy Kamara? Yes, tons. I'm so mad at Taysom Hill. Yeah, they trotted out this kind of new look offense with Taysom. Against Atlanta, you must have thought you were getting, what, 55 points from him alone? <laughs> and he puts up 10? And that was with a touchdown. Yeah, I jokingly said, oh, Kamara got no receptions this week. That's kind of unheard of. Not realizing afterwards, I read that that actually is for the first time in his career that he did not catch a single reception. We didn't catch one? Not a single no. one. Taysom Hill does not check down. 
And when it's time to check down, he runs. Yeah. I so I say. am concerned. Yeah, that's the issue with the running. Maybe you'll notice now because you have Damian Harris on the team with Cam Newton. He either decides to fumble the ball or take off running, but he rarely checks down. Should have traded me Fournette for uh, Latavius Murray. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like Latavius Murray is doing much more either. I mean, did you look? No, I didn't. I'm just making that up. <laughs> yeah. Just... <laughs> I think the parole models should win. It would be interesting if Mostert and Eckler come back. Man, if Eckler comes back, maybe I finally get to take Fournette out. He's a walking disaster. He dropped four balls on five targets or something like that this week. He fell into the end zone, thank God. But other than that, he's just hot trash. Latavius Murray last week, 12 rushes, 49 yards, two targets, two receptions, 36 yards. Yeah, what kind of bullshit was that? Most of those yards came on one catch, though. I watched that catch. Cool. I was watching the Browns. (laughs) <laughs> i love you guys <laughs> adib are you taking yourself bet on yourself sorry i told you guys i never will pick against my team anymore so i am taking my parole models that's good and i will never pick uh my team so <laughs> <laughs> i'm more concerned now because literally every time you guys pick my team that's when things have gone poorly for me (laughs) if i can talk up my team for one second to make because you know they probably all listen to this podcast but like all of the guys with the exception of fournette and so let's pretend eckler is playing there are kind of the target leaders of their team i know claypool goes back and forth with deontay johnson but like claypool shepherd goddard antonio brown apparently now if we bring in austin eckler they are all the primary targets of their quarterbacks, so it just so yeah, happens they are, that they're not they're very just, good. They might be the primary target, but it's not like it's shared everywhere. Like Antonio Brown sharing that with like other stud wideouts, a decent tight end. You know what I mean? I do agree with you though. Like your roster could be much worse. But correct yeah. me if I'm wrong too, right? Eckler has never played with Herbert. I think he played the one game with them when like Tyrod was hurt. Okay. Yeah, the lung so, puncture game? Yeah, was that week three he came out and he put up 25 points? Yeah. And, okay. then, and then he came out again. Uh, so he got hurt when they were playing Tampa, and I, I believe Herbert was starting at that point. And uh, yeah, he caught a few balls already. He played like one series, caught two balls, I think, and then died. Oh, okay. So we'll see. So now that Corey has talked about both of our teams, it's our turn. And wildly enough, your fuckboys are featured in this week's matchup of the week as you take on Sheehan's street shirt. This is an incredibly huge capital Y matchup for the playoffs. The winner of this one will absolutely control their destiny heading into the final week. The first thing I want to talk about is the absolute ebullition of points we are going to witness this weekend. Corey, you're projected for 120 and Sheehan is projected for 119. This matchup has so much promise if both teams can just live up to their potential. I kind of want to list every player in this matchup because it's so damn good, but I'll resist. I'll just point out you have a huge advantage at tight end where you have Waller against Kasiki, and Devin's biggest advantage is probably quarterback with Russ against Taysom. He's also got an advantage at defense now that he's starting the Giants, which I thought was going to be against Ryan Finley, but is against some practice squad QB. Yeah. While our beloved Browns just seem to lose someone on defense every friggin' day. So this is going to be a close matchup and so much fun. And I'm going to take the fuck boys. Are you you trying to say you expect a points book kick this week? I think it's going to be a major book kick. Yeah. And that's the problem with this is, you know, both of these guys are um, vocal. (laughs) 
about their teams. <laughs> so it's unfortunate because I think these two very well might be like the top two scoring teams. And unfortunately, someone's going to eat an L this week. So I'm not picking either of them, but like <laughs> Shein's you have mental. To. Yeah, you have to. No, no, one. no. Like, I, fuck, I'll get there. I was, I was talking about like who I want to win as like oh. a preference. And I don't want to. Oh, pick, don't right? say like, that. We're both too fragile for that. Don't yeah, because I was going to say, I was like, Corey's going to have a breakdown and like, fucking, Sheehan might need like a, a full on therapy session. So I, this is going to, this is crazy. So you said Russ is the clear, clear cut advantage for Sheehan. It's like, I don't know, Taysom Hill is. I didn't think it was a clear cut advantage, but I think it's where he has his biggest advantage. Yeah. When you compare the wide receivers and you compare the running backs, Corey's got the receivers, Devin's got the running backs. But they're close enough on both of those. Those five players will cancel out. Yeah, I agree. I think it. I think it's probably too close to call. So I'm gonna pick Sheehan because he's got Nick Chubb. Great decision. Absolutely great uh, decision. I don't know what to think. If Carson plays, which I'm sure he will, I think I'm gonna lose. But roster wise, like I'm, I'm hovering. Putting it begins. Like Gallman over Drake instead. But then I, everywhere I look, Drake's ranked ahead of him. Jefferson's got the higher ceiling over Gallman. So I think the way my lineup is posted right now, I, I'm probably going to stick with. What I need is a win. I don't care how it comes. I just want to win. So I'm going with the greatest team in the history of Baffle, and I'm taking the Sharks. Wow. So I took the fuckboys. You guys both took the Sharks. So you know what that means, right? We've reached the end of the matchup previews for week 12 and this episode of Unbaffled. Once again, I want to thank Baffled Tweets for reaching out. And of course, we got to thank the listeners for keeping us going. If you're enjoying the pod, take two seconds to bang that follow or subscribe button and get notifications for our latest episodes. For more Baffle news or content, check out at Baffle Tweets on Twitter or our league website, baffle.ca. Talk to y'all again next week. Bitch, I did it. I made it. I'm loved and I'm hated. I started from the bottom. Now my neighborhood is gated. They say drink to your accomplishments. So every night I'm faded. Feel like every other day me and somebody new related. You my